The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Fionn Davenport is with me. Fionn, where are we going this week? We are going to the land of the rising sun, Japan. Japangu. Japangu. Are you, uh, are you listening to. Do you know what that is? is? History. Yes. One of the best podcasts ever. Jesus, it's so, so good. Yeah. It's so incredible. they're in the middle of a series on Christopher Columbus. And who told Ferdinand and Isabella and anyone who'd listened that he could reach Japangu in about 10 days good yeah. sailing from across the Atlantic. But what was interesting is even though on after the oh, second Chris. trip, when it was clear that everyone else, every man and his dog that went, <laughs> went, you can't. Yeah. He still insisted that you could. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. He, he was insisting he had reached it. He, he thought reached, he was yeah. like on the islands of Cathay, in other words, China. So anyway, we Rather we than sailing across from <laughs> southern Spain. <laughs> Directly um, to Japangu. Emirates via, so our own sponsor. So they, you can go there in uh, comfort and luxury. Oh, lovely. Via Dubai. And honest to God, so Narita, which is Tokyo's main airport, from economy flights from a thousand euro return, which when you actually think about it, it's unbelievably good. Yeah, very good value, yeah, isn't it? very good value. Given how far you're going. And Japan is far away. Um, so I've never been to Japan. Um, Japan. It is a country high up on my list. Japan is, so, I mean, it, it's everything and it's very hard to summarise in one sentence. But in terms of like, there are, very exotic places in the world that are so visibly exotic in the sense that they're very different yes. from the from the from what you and I would experience on the surface japan looks quite similar because you know it's a it's a cosmopolitan urbane and urban with it's, lots w- of countryside w- without wanting to offend everybody japanese listening to this it's a kind of a, a western country in my mind in the east well, it's a city that is very developed yes and in that and sense. so so at first glance you're like okay Okay, yeah, these are these are familiar visual yes. road mark markings and you're like and you spend any amount of time in Japan and you get the most profound culture shock. It it's so other to what you right. would have experienced yeah. and that's the excitement of a trip to Japan is to go with the openness and sense of like yes on the surface it feels kind of familiar and and once you start kind of digging into it you realize is that for all of and 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 you know friends of mine who are real Japan scholars will kind of scoff at the at the insistence on I don't know like that all they do is care about their abiding historical culture i mean this is a country that fuses tradition with modernity and modernity has an equal part to play in modern mm. Japan as their traditional culture does. But the way the two things fuse together and the way they kind of infuse each other, that's the culture shock. So so things are just so different and it's hard to explain. So you really have to go. Yeah, because I was it a producer today, Ronan, he has been there and he described it the way you do. He said it, it is the most is the country that is the most different. Yes. To the one that he is yeah, familiar and, with. And in the sense of like, as I said, it's it's not, there are countries that are clearly different. Yeah, I guess that's, and that's probably why it felt like that. Because yes. it's not clearly because different. Because in your head you go thinking, okay, if Tokyo's you go to a big city. You're going to expect Mogadishu to be very but, different. And, and you go to Kyoto and Kyoto is the, the imperial capital and the ancient beautiful city of Japan. And you think, you know, I've been to Florence, I've been to, yes. you know, so I, I have, I have, I have an equivalence in mm. my head. It's completely not like what you think it's going to be. So we're not talking about specifically one part of no, Japan. No, because we're it's talking about in, in, in 18 minutes you can't cover all of Japan or in any depth other than to give a kind of... Okay, so one is, you know, just to bear in mind that Japan is long and slender. It's, it's like highly volcanic. It's two-thirds mountain. 
So the city, the, the built up areas are all kind of concentrated. You've got hot springs everywhere. So because of this volcanic activity in the warm months, there's amazing hiking. We'll talk about those momentarily. Um, you got like ancient shrines, beautiful peaks, Mount Fuji being the most famous one. In the wintertime, world-class skiing. I mean, world-class skiing. Yeah. You know, and like as good as any you'll find in Aspen or in the Alps. Um, and food, like incredible food. And not just sushi or not just fish-based cuisine. Like deep stews, particularly if you leave the, if you leave the coastline and you go into the interior, you get these incredible stews and all, and it's almost impossible to eat badly in Japan. Oh, wow. Which okay. is quite a bold statement to yeah, make. Yeah, that is a bold statement to but make. But I would, I mean, you really have to try pretty hard. <laughs> is it easy to get around um, the island? Yes, yeah, so it's got an incredible, no surprises here, but it's got an amazing public transport system. Okay. And the most, the most famous thing is Shinkansen, the, the bullet train network, which now extends. So it was limited for many, many years, but now extends right from Kyushu, which is the southernmost of Japan's islands, right up to Hokkaido, which is at the very, very northern tip. So right up the archipelago. Um, Shinkansen isn't, ex- isn't cheap. I mean, okay. bullet tra- like TGVs in France or, you know, high-speed rail. Can you buy a rail pass or So anything? yes, so that's what I was going to say. The Japan rail pass, like the Eurail or the Interrail, is one of the world's great travel bargains, Kieran. Like, and really, really is. So it's the best way to see Japan on a budget. Okay. Um, so um, the other one is, is that they've got these very deals. So like, much like the Interrail on limited time travel, so that it's called a Seishun Juhachi Kipu is the ticket. I'm butchering the Japanese here. Um, but you get five one-day tickets for travel on any regular Japan railways train, not the bullet trains. And that's, again, it's pretty cheap. Buses, listen, if you have time to kill and you're really on a budget, the bus network's incredible. And okay. the buses are all high tech. Like the seats, see, it's not one of those like you're sitting in the seat, my neck is killing me. It's like you roll back, like you almost a vertical position, perfectly controlled climate control, TVs, you can plug in, excellent Wi-Fi. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty luxurious way of getting Wow, around. okay, I like the sound of it. So yeah. where, where are we going in Japan? Where are the highlights? So Kyoto. So I'm kind of covering it a bit behind. So Kyoto. Kyoto was the capital of Japan for a thousand years. Mm. And it's got a thousand temples. It's everything you imagine traditional Japan is going to be. Um, So you've got like these massive like uh, Kinkaku-ji, which is this incredible pavilion covered completely in gold leaf and breathtaking. Like you're literally left just like open mouths and going, oh, my God, I can't believe they built this. And then you've got like, you know, really kind of smaller ones with like Zen rock gardens. And the whole idea of the rock garden is that it's sparse and, and, and almost bare, like the odd little small tree, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And, and the idea is to encourage meditation, whereas the 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 gold leaf is a distraction. It's not. So there's a, I, I don't know the philosophy fully. But there's all these theories about why things are the way they are and certain things are the way they are. Like the meditative rock gardens are very sparse so as you're not distracted by anything so you can just sit and focus on the being. Um, so anyway, so that's amazing tea houses. So all of the kind of traditional things you associate with Japan, like the tea ceremony, they, they all they all kind of, I guess, originate or they have their kind of their best expression is in Kyoto. Okay, so you mentioned the things I associate with Japan, the baths. So onsen. Yes. Yes, onsen. So 
Oh, a friend of mine tells me that onsen is the only truly Japanese cultural thing. That everything else is imported from other parts of Asia, nominally China, particularly China. Like all, like the tea ceremony, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That these aren't, that onsen, these, so hot, hot baths in these volcanic springs, mm. that is a traditional Japanese thing. And it's the ultimate in, and, and it's one, like, say, for example, I've never been skiing in Japan, but a friend of mine who lived in Japan for many, many years said the best thing you can do is if you're there in the winter times, go skiing. And then, like other people, do the apres ski, go to an onsen, go into a hot spring and just immerse yourself yeah. in the bath. Do they play the Venga Boys there like they do in <laughs> Kieran, Europe? Are you, in are you, are you a fan Venga of tattoos? Or do you have tattoos? I have any, no tattoos. You have no tattoos? No, but I'm not, I don't feel strongly about no. them. No, no, no. But the reason I ask is that because you would be welcome in all of Japan's onsen. Oh, uh, there's, there's yeah. tattoo bands in some of them. Uh, lots of them. Okay. Yeah, so Japanese... Does that go back to kind of try... The, what, what's they call them? The Yakuza. The Yakuza. Yeah, so it's... Well, it's to do with... It's... Yeah, so the, I, I'm not entirely sure... I'm assuming that Yakuza is is one of the reasons. And, and you know, they, they, they wear very distinctive tattoos that signify all kinds of things. Mm. And But onsen, there's a lot of um, tattoo bands in onsen and also um, in Ryokan, in the traditional Japanese inns. Where that they see you tattooed, they're like, no. Now, Japan is also modernizing all the time. Yeah. So you will see if you go to an onsen that says we, they'll they'll make it clear that they accept people with tattoos, but otherwise they don't. Like it's weird. Okay, so oh, look for if you have tattoos, make yeah, sure yeah, the yeah, sign yeah. says uh, you're welcome. Uh, you mentioned the food then. So okay, after so, I listen to the Venga Boys in my volcanic spring. Okay, so what am look, I eating? As I said, is is that like obviously sushi is synonymous with Japan. And you get it anywhere. But if you go into the mountains and you get like amazing stews and mm. like potatoes and I mean, really rich and really just excellent, excellent food. Here's the thing. OK, I'll give you I'll give you. There's a couple of things the Japanese are very good about because they eat certain things that don't really appeal to m- many a Western palate. OK. OK. So how about this? OK. So natto. If, if there's a real Japanese thing. Can you eat natto is a way of saying is, are your taste buds brave enough or advanced enough or developed enough to really and all these are is fermented soybeans but they smell of ammonia oh, so what right. does ammonia smell like well ammonia has a particularly pungent smell yeah that's not particularly pleasant or not particularly enjoyable and smells like we basically okay so these yeah. so I don't think that'll be high up on my list now so when you're when you if you stay in a traditional ryokan in these in these Japanese inns and we'll talk about those in a second yeah oftentimes they might serve natto at breakfast these soy now they'll ask you can you eat natto because if you don't they won't serve them to you because they mm. want to spare you the um how about this uh, shirako is another one okay, okay so what it's is it? it's the uh, why Kieran it's the sperm sack from the cod or the fugu fish, and it's a winter delicacy. Yeah, I often wonder why they cut the sperm sack out of the cod here. Yeah. They don't include them in fish fingers. They really, really should. Sure. Sure. They're missing out. If I had a euro for every time I asked that question, um, it can man. be found, so in uh, restaurants or izakayas, you know, those, uh, they have them around Japan. And uh, there's another one is uh, shiokara, which is uh, seafood, which is fermented in their very heavily salted innards. Mostly their intestines. Right. I'm not I'm not sure I'm going to be eating any of this stuff. But you can eat well without touching any right. of this stuff. Uh, you mentioned the... Rice grasshoppers. No. Does that 
Float your boat? No, let's move on to the Rio, Rio, <laughs> Rio can. Rio yeah. can. So, so what basically, is it just means in in Japanese. Right. Now, in the modern world of contemporary hotels, and we've imported so much of the modern, you know, the pod hotel, etc., yeah. from Japan. The ryokan, it just means a particular aesthetic of traditional inn. So it's, imagine the, the tatami, you know, the, the reed mat floors. Um, you don't sleep in a bed, you sleep on a futon mattress that's just barely raised above the ground. Mm. Um, they're like low slung, so single story buildings with um, the bamboo doors. And the staff generally, are, like you have winding with hyper polished wood, really uh, exactly what you imagine. Yeah. Like, you know, traditional Japanese in. Uh, in the really kind of fancier ones, um, the staff will wear kimonos and are like hyper attuned to guest needs, which is really the five star experience. Um, and they'll also like, for example, serve meals. So the whole Ryokan experience is about eating local cuisine as well. So Okay. So let me say, let me uh, imagine I, I've, I've gone to Japan, I've experienced Kyoto, I've been eating the sperm sack of cod, I've gone skiing, I went for the onsen, I stayed in the Ryokan. I now want the hustle and bustle of Tokyo. Tokyo. So um, now if you're going with Emirates, you can fly into Osaka or Narita in Tokyo. Okay. So you can fly into two. Osaka is better for Kyoto. It's the nearest city. But Tokyo is the main port of entry for most visitors to the... It's And Tokyo is a city of, what is it now, 26 million people, thereabouts. Give yeah. Or, give or take a million or two. Give or take, yeah. <laughs> give or take. Um, so, it, like... It's everything. It's kind. It's the capital for modern architecture, modern culture, pop, shopping, drinking, entertainment, everything that's part of modern Japanese culture, you will find in Tokyo. And the thing is, is that it's such a gigantic city. Every neighborhood has its own distinctive identity. Right. You would spend, you could spend 10 years exploring, much like the big cities of Asia. Like you could spend 10 years in Bangkok. You could spend 10 years in, well, in Ho Chi Minh City or Saigon and, and never really get to grips with it. Tokyo is very much on that massive scale. And, uh, and again, it's like constantly changing. No two experiences are the same. So like, I guarantee if you got listeners, oh, I was in Tokyo and I had this experience, another listener would go, oh, I had an entirely yeah. different one. And they're, each one is as legitimate as the next. Uh, Times Square on acid is how someone described it to me a little bit earlier. But what if I want to break from all that hustle and bustle? Yeah. Uh, hi- you've said there's good hiking. Ma- Two thirds uh, of mountains. Okay. So like down in southern Kansai, which is halfway between Tokyo and Hiroshima, down as you go south, um, is the Kumano Kodo, which is basically in the mountains. It's, that it's a network of trails, this Kumano Kodo. And what they do is they link these Shinto shrines, so Japanese religious shrines. Yeah. Aesthetics, so Japanese ascetics will walk these. These are very traditional routes, but they're some of the best hiking you will do anywhere in the world. Stunningly beautiful hiking. And, if you re- and so there's that. Another one, and you don't have to go too far from Tok- Mount Fuji. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Mount Fuji, the distinctive cone that everybody, even people who've never even been to Japan, you see a picture of it, you go, Mount Mount Fuji. Fuji. Usually there's a cherry blossom in front of it on the postcard as well. So that's another highlight. So that's soon, soon in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, the cherry blossom festival. Cherry blossom festival. So it only really lasts two weeks. Flights become inordinately expensive. You cannot get hotel accommodation. But the cherry blossom festival is stunningly beautiful. So is that when people should go around this time of year? Or Uh, when is the best time to go to Japan? When would you go? Oh, let's see. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a high season. 
um, shoulder seasons are excellent, you know. So if you go, say, June, July, September, November, like the autumn foliage is really beautiful. It's not maybe as spectacular as cherry blossoms, but it's really gorgeous in October, November, depending on where you are, like the higher you go. Yeah. Um, the low season is December to March. So we're still kind of in the low season. But you get the skiing then, I guess. You get the skiing, but the ski resorts are all kind of okay. busy. But the rest of the country, cheapest accommodation, less crowds, etc. Can I just mention one thing? Yes. Fine. Hiroshima, okay? Yes. So Hiroshima, very modern city, uh, beautiful, leafy boulevards. And you think, but when you go to the Peace Memorial Museum, similar to going to the museum in Phnom Penh, it's, these are one of the most arresting places. And you realise the sheer, like, inexplicable, unutterable heartbreak that befell the city in 1945. Oh, and right. it's, it's a stunning, stunning experience. All right. Well, listen, there's a huge amount to do there. We've only yeah. scratched the surface. Emirates fly there, as you say. Yeah, twice a day from Dublin. So you can go at one o'clock or you can leave in the evening time. Emirates to Narita, thousand quid. What's not to like? Japanese Wagyu steak is world class and a must for meat eaters. Says yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I, I'm a big fan of Wagyu steak, but I also think that Irish or Scottish beef is every bit as good. So... What was the podcast you referenced at the start of this? The rest is history. The rest is history. The presenters are Tom Holland and Dominic Sandbrook. It is absolutely brilliant. Highly recommend. It comes recommended from myself and Fionn. Anyway, Fionn will be back at the same time uh, next week. Fionn, thank you very much. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.